Welcome to another episode of Bereans Podcast. Each week we share a message from the Bible and examine it to understand and learn to apply it to our lives. The hope is that through the wisdom of the scriptures, we will all be encouraged to make real life change and that the power of the gospel will transform our lives. Thanks for listening and enjoy this episode of the Berean Podcast that starts right now. Good morning, church family. I hope you're doing well. My name is Devin. I'm the lead pastor here at Brian. And a special welcome to those of you who are here. And a welcome to those who are joining us online as well. Today is actually an anniversary of sorts. You see, one year ago to the day was the first time that I stepped foot into Berean Baptist Church. So it was one year ago that we flew down and started that process. Oh, it's too kind, too kind. So let me tell you what I've learned over the last year. Here's what I've learned. Here's what I've discovered. That Berean is an incredible church filled with, let's be honest, pretty average people right? I mean, I know, I know, maybe you're here and you're like, Devin, maybe we haven't met yet. (laughs) But you don't know my accomplishments, my accolades, my education, my publishing, you know, whatever it is that you've done. Let me ask you this. Do you even have a Wikipedia page? Right? Has anybody felt the need? Maybe you're here and you would say, actually, Devin, I do have my own Wikipedia page. I don't. I actually searched this morning. There's nothing there. But you may be a big fish, but you're still in a small pond. You may have a Wikipedia page, but let's be honest. I can guarantee you that it's nowhere near as long as Bart Simpson's Wikipedia page. (laughs) You see, when we talk and when we hear about a challenge to use the gifts that God has given you to, you know, inspirationally change things, to make a difference, to have an impact. Sometimes that just seems like a lot of pressure. And we look around a church like this and we say, man, we've got a bunch of average Joes and average Janes 
And that's a good thing. You see, God doesn't need you to be some superstar. We've already got a superstar. His name's Jesus. And so you may be here right now and like me, be very average. But do you believe that God can and will still use you as you step forward and serve? So that's what I want to talk about today. You see, I want to talk about what it means for us to serve, to use our gifts, our resources, our education, our background, to open our homes, to open our hearts to people so that we can serve them and serve God. But let's be honest, back to my opening. Sometimes when we hear about that, our first reaction is, what in the world do I have to offer? Maybe you're here and you're kind of the opposite. And you're like, I can't wait to show off my gifts and abilities. Maybe you are kind of a big deal. But more often than not, when we talk about, when you hear a challenge to serve, the first question is, what in the world do I have to offer? Well, if that's you this morning, let's unpack that a little bit. Here's the good news for you. It's not about you. It never was about you. This isn't based on how gifted, how smart, and how incredible you are. You see, Paul, the apostle, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27, says this, God chose, God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God delights to use average people like you and like me so that in using them, he is the one who receives the glory. You know, my mom, God bless her, my mom will often has asked me a few times, Devin, how do you stand up in front of people every week and not get a big head? She's a good, godly woman, and she's concerned for my heart. She prays for me like no one else. And I always answer her with this, that by God's grace, the reason I don't have a big head is because I read. Okay, let me unpack that. I read church history, pastors and theologians around the world today, And it dawned on me at a very early age. I'm just not not that gifted. Truthfully. I remember reading a little while ago, reading about Jonathan Edwards, who was a famous pastor, brilliant theologian. And he wrote some deep and profound theological treaties when he was pastoring. At the same time, he also would make forays into philosophy. And when he was pastoring in New England, his philosophical works were being read in mainland Europe. Incredible reach in theology and in philosophy. In fact, he was invited to become the principal. I can never remember off the top of my head if it was Princeton or Yale. But he was invited to one of these prestigious schools to be the principal. And his first response was, I don't think I can hold that position because my mathematics isn't strong enough. 
I'm thinking, are you kidding me? I haven't done math in like five years. I just asked Siri. (laughs) So I read these people from church history, these incredibly gifted intellects that God has given to the church, and we're thankful for them. But not many of you were wise by human standard. Not many of you were super gifted, Paul teaches to the church in Corinth. And the same is true today, that you, that me, a bunch of average Joes and average Janes seeking to do our best to bring God glory. And the reality is that God is the one who brought you here. You are here for a reason. In Ephesians chapter 4, Verse 16, and in that section, Paul is teaching about the church. And he says, and he says this throughout kind of his writings. He uses different metaphors to explain the church. He calls it a body with different members. You get the big toe, you get the earlobe, you got everything in between, right? There is one head, and the head is Christ. But in Ephesians 4:16, Paul explains that it's Jesus, it's God who calls who knits and who puts and fashions a church body together. And that as such, he's the one who gives gifts so that a church body has everything they need to fulfill the expectations and requirements that God has for them. Whether the church is small or the church is huge, God is the one who provides, who knits the body together. And that together, the body grows. And so if you call Berean home, you are not here by accident. And I don't say this with vain kind of, you know, amp you up and get you psyched and inspire you, empty platitudes. No, I'm being honest that God has gifted you and God has granted you these gifts with the expectation that you use them. You are not here on accident. So what do you have to offer? I don't know, but you have something. Sometimes that leads to another question. You say, Devin, this series is about thriving. And here you are guilting me into doing more. How does serving help me thrive, Devin? Well, let's unpack that question. You see, this series is designed to show how these regular, sometimes common habits, routines, and practices in our life position you to receive God's grace and grow thereby. So you take scripture, which was our first. You take prayer. You take fasting. Over and over, these common practices from church membership to confession, these are practices and habits. So what about serving? How does serving help you thrive? Isn't serving where you pour yourself out and get inconvenienced? No, serving and living a life of service is one of the avenues that God has given us to thriving. How? Well, first of all, when you serve, you realize your insufficiency and grow in your dependence on God. Have you ever stepped forward to serve someone or in some way and it dawns on you 
that you just can't simply do this in your own strength? That it's scary? That it's overwhelming? That you're not sure you have what it takes to get it done? Well, in those moments, those are opportunities to grow in your dependence, to say, God, I don't think I can do this on my own, and to hear God say, good. I never expected you to. That's why I've given you my spirit. That's why I go before you. That's why I've given you brothers and sisters to walk with you. You see, stepping out to serve helps you thrive because it helps you grow in your dependence on God. When you recognize just how insufficient you are without him. Well, secondly, when you step out to serve, God God uses you. And then your faith grows. How many of you have stepped forward into a situation to serve? Maybe it was somebody who was hurting. Maybe it was somebody who was walking through a difficult season. And you stepped forward and you served, and to you, it really wasn't that big of a deal. But come to find out later, God used that in a specific and powerful way in somebody's life. You see, serving helps us thrive because when we step forward and serve, we see that God is using us. And our faith grows all the more. Serving will help you thrive. I know that. Because when you step forward and when you thrive, when you step forward and when you serve, you recognize you can't do it without God. You see God using you. And you encourage those around you. And in turn, can be encouraged as well. In Acts 20, verse 35, Paul the apostle is speaking. And he says this. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus. How he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. There's something that happens when we pour ourselves out. You will never thrive being a narcissist and self-absorbed person. That doesn't bring joy. It only brings hardship and frustration as you seek to control everything around you. But when you step forward with an open heart and you begin to serve, you see God using you, you recognize your insufficiency, you get to encourage those around you and are encouraged in return, and then you learn that it is indeed more blessed to give than to receive. And this is what I want for you. Because a church that serves is a church that thrives. A person that serves is a person that thrives. There are so many different gifts in a room like this. You know, I've had people come up to me and say, oh my goodness, I don't know how you can do that. I could never do what you do and stand in front of people and speak every week. And I always think to myself the same thing. That's good because that's one of the few things that I can do around here to contribute. 
So don't take that away from me. I'll feel a little insecure if all of a sudden we've got competing speakers, right? No, the point is this, that every week, I kid you not, I see in our elders, in our fellow pastors, in our staff, in you, our fearless and faithful volunteers, gifts and abilities that I could never dream of having. I see people use their gifts in such a way that work is effortless for them. And I know if I tried to do that thing, it would be exhausting for me. Why? Because we're all gifted in different ways. You see, you may not think that you have much to offer, but you do. You may think that Serving will only only empty you, but God has designed serving as a means by which you can be filled or you can thrive. And so today, I want to offer you, track with me, two biblical reasons to serve and two practical reasons to serve and two ways to serve. So it's a three-part, two-part, six-part sermon. Well, as for those of you who are note takers out there. But let's start with the biblical reasons. I want to start with two biblical reasons to serve. Here's the first. Jesus commands it. God commands it. The Bible anticipates it. It is expected of those who follow Jesus. Jesus came to serve. He said this in Matthew 20, 28. Even as the Son of Man came not to, to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus says, I have come not simply to be served, but to serve and to pour my life out, to be a ransom for sin. And so he commands and anticipates that his followers will serve. We worship a king who came to serve. And the expectation is that as his followers, we serve. Jesus commands and expects and anticipates that if you call yourself a Christian, you will be open to serving as God leads. In Matthew 23, verse 11, the disciples are wrestling with an issue that to be honest, we still wrestle with today. The reality that we like to be served rather than serve. We wanna be first, we wanna be foremost, we wanna be top, we wanna be at the head of the line. And in Matthew chapter 23, Jesus says this, the greatest among you shall be your servant. If you wanna be great in God's eyes, be a servant. Don't always walk around looking for other people to serve you as if somehow you're Jesus himself. No, pour yourself out. Be a person, a man or a woman of service. In Galatians chapter five, we are told to serve one another in love. You see, we are the hands and the feet of Jesus. We make up his body here on earth. And as those who represent him, we're called to serve as he served. 
You see, when you open the Gospels and you look at how did Jesus serve, you will find a life beautifully poured out in service. He offered love to those who were unloved. He saw and he touched those society deemed to be untouchable. He pursued the wayward. He went after lost sheep. He restored those who denied him. He washed the disciples' feet. He healed the sick, gave sight to the blind. He fed the hungry. He served like no one else. He came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And my goodness, did he accomplish that. And so, as his followers were called to imitate him, to model him, to serve as he served, Jesus commands it. But let's be honest, just simply knowing something doesn't always solve our problem, does it? Because we can know what the Bible commands, but the problem is usually internal. It's our motivation, right? Well, not only does Jesus command it, here's the second biblical reason for serving. Jesus is worth it. He's worth it. Let's be honest, serving can be costly. It can be inconvenient. It means showing up, giving of your time, your resources, your energy, your personal space, giving up the comfort of your quiet, well-put-together, clean house to have guests come in with their messy kids that break stuff. I know. It happens. There's an inconvenience to serving. It would be easier for you in some ways to simply be selfish. But Jesus is worth it. When you sign up for kids' ministry, you're not doing me or Tanner a favor. You're not simply doing your part, you know, everybody should do something. No, it's an opportunity to serve King Jesus. That's why you do what you do. It's everything in the Christian life. I mean, we want you to give, we want you to serve, we want you to share the gospel, not simply for Berean, No, for the glory of God revealed in the face of Christ. That's the invitation. Coming back to that motivation piece, I get it. That sometimes we don't like to be inconvenienced. And in Matthew chapter 25, I want to read for you a few verses here. Because if you will take to heart the words of Jesus here, this will transform your service. You see, this is just before Jesus is arrested and crucified. And he is teaching his disciples about judgment day. And he says, the son of man's gonna come and he's gonna separate the sheep from the goats. The sheep being those who have trusted in him and him alone for salvation. The goats from the, as those who denied him and refused Jesus. And he says, listen, on that day, I'm going to come. And I'm going to say to the sheep, come, come. 
into the glory prepared for you by the Father. He says, you saw me hungry and you fed me. You saw me thirsty and you, you gave me something to drink. You saw me naked without clothes and you clothed me. You saw me lonely and in prison and you visited me. And then the people will turn to him and say, Lord, what are you talking about? Because I don't remember doing that. I don't remember serving you in that way. But Jesus explains how this can be true. He says this in Matthew 25, 37. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison or visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Think about the implications here. When you serve those around you with a heart of love, you are serving Jesus. This can transform your serving. Let's imagine, if you will, that your neighbor's house goes up for sale. And get this, Jesus moves in next door. Well, truthfully, truthfully, imagine that. The one that you sing to, the one that you have countless moments with throughout your week, the one you pursue in scripture, the one your heart adores, the one that you would give anything to experience and love more deeply moves in next door to you. And let's say he comes over one day and he knocks on your door and you open the door and Jesus says to you, listen, I'm going out of town for a few weeks. Could you mow my lawn for me? How would you respond? You will say, Lord, I will get down on my hands and knees and chew every blade of grass until your lawn is perfect. I'll use scissors if I have to. Wouldn't you? For Jesus, wouldn't you do anything? Or here's one for you. I got this out of the way early in my the last church that I served in. And I feel like I should share it with you that I, to be honest, I hate, hate, hate helping people move. It's just, you can't win. I'm a punctual guy, so I show up on time. Oh, they're not ready. They said they'd be ready, but I clearly still see dishes that have not been packed. I see trinkets that have not been put into a box. We're gonna be here for a while. And something happens, I know it, something happens every time you're moving. As soon as you pick up a couch, it seems like the outside temperature increases by about 75 degrees. Have you ever, do you have any memory of lifting a couch where you're not sweating profusely? It seems like every time you're moving, it's way too hot and it's tiring and it takes longer and there's always an issue with the truck and it's just, God bless you, those of you who helped us move. There's a special reward for you in heaven, I'm sure. But I absolutely hate helping people move. So imagine Jesus calls you on the phone. Imagine Jesus called me on the phone. 
and said, hey, you know that high rise I live in? Well, I need some help moving. And uh, the elevator's broken. Well, I would probably say, Jesus, uh, why don't you do something about that, right? (laughs) How would you work? How would you serve if you were literally serving Jesus? Wouldn't you just give anything, everything? Break my back in the process? Take everything? I love you so much, Jesus. This is what he's inviting you to do, is that when you're serving, instead of looking at that person and viewing them as a, as an inconvenience, look at that person and say, how would I respond if they were Jesus right now? No, obviously use wisdom. Don't give somebody who you don't know, don't trust access to your bank account. You know, be wise in what you do. But I am saying this, that there is a heart posture here that looks at that person and wants to see that they are made in the image of God, that, that when I serve them, I'm actually serving Jesus. And what lengths would I go to to serve Jesus? What would you do for Jesus? If you know him, if you have been saved by him, the answer is gonna be everything. That's how you live a life of service, is by recognizing that you're not ultimately serving that person, but you're ultimately serving Jesus. You see, Jesus commands it, and Jesus is worth it. That's two biblical reasons. Let's get practical here. Two practical reasons to serve. Well, first of all, it helps us fulfill our mission. We want to see people come to faith. We want to see people be baptized, find a church home where they can grow, where they can thrive in Christ. And when you serve, it helps us accomplish that. When you serve here and when you serve in your day-to-day in the rhythms and routines of your life, whether that be at home, at work, at school, whatever it is that you do, when you serve, you have the opportunity to point people to the good news of Jesus. In Matthew 5, 16, on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, let your light shine before others that they would see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let people see your good works. Live a life of service, of love, of compassion, and of mercy. And trust that as you do that, people will see Jesus in you. Your warm welcome as a greeter, your smiling face in the parking lot, your care and love for people's children, your service in the cafe, it all helps create an environment where people feel valued and seen where people feel welcome, and where we trust that, Lord willing, they'll return. And very simply, we can't do it without you. It helps us fulfill our mission. Secondly, it helps relationally for us to get connected. This is the practical reason for relationships and connection. Brian is a big church, and sometimes it can be hard to get to know people, hard to develop those relationships. One of the best ways for you to get more connected is to join join a serve team of some sorts. You know, when you read through the Apostle Paul's letters, 
right, when he writes to all the churches, what you'll find is that if you turn to the last chapter of his letter, you will see countless times that he mentions individuals. He thanks them, applauds them, asks after them, um, shares that he's praying for them, like specific people's names. Why? Because these were people that he had relationships with, that he was connected with. Why? Because they are people who he served with. One of the greatest ways to get more connected is to find a place to serve and to jump in with both feet. Okay, keep enrolling here. We've got two biblical reasons. That's the first two part. Two practical reasons. That's the second, second part. Now let's talk about how. Two ways to serve. Well, very simply, you can serve organically. Just show up. Look for ways to serve. Look for people to serve. Many times when you serve, it's not a clock that you're punching. It's a lifestyle that you're open to. So look for those opportunities. Pray that God would open doors. Think carefully about those in your life who are hurting, who are struggling, who are wrestling and need you to walk beside them. Think about serving people through hospitality. Open your home and open your heart. Fellowship with people. Invite them in. Think about serving. Hey, kids. Kids. Serve. Serve at home. Ask mom. Ask dad. What can I do to serve? How can I help out? Serve your neighbors. It's great to mow a lawn, but develop the friendship. Invite them over. Get to know them. Remember what it is that they've shared with you. Show them that they have value, that they matter to you. You can serve by caring, praying, loving, by helping. Use your finances, your time, your your giftings. Look for ways and opportunities. Maybe you're here and you're kind of drawing a blank. Maybe there's somebody at school you can tutor. Maybe there's something you can do to help those around you, but Beyond a simple list of here's how you can serve, here's all these examples, I wanted to offer you a few and then to say this, until your heart is captured and captivated by the way that Jesus has served you, no application list of how you can serve is going to motivate you. It comes down to the heart. We are called to serve because we worship and serve a king who serves. And every day in the natural rhythms, routines, the practices of your life, you are walking through open doors of opportunity to serve. Maybe it's a friend going through a health issue. Maybe it's somebody who could just use a good meal cooked for them and dropped off. I mean, I don't know, but let your heart be captured by Jesus so that you overflow with love and openness to serve those that God places in your life. Look for organic opportunities. 
and sign up and serve. Now we are growing and our kids ministry is overflowing. We've got more teachers. Uh, We do need more teachers, helpers for Sunday, midweek. We need people who have the love and commitment to help some of our children with special needs be welcomed into our our church family. We have opportunities to serve in the parking lot, the cafe, and then so many other ways that I couldn't even recall. There's over 100 serving opportunities available to you here at Berean. And in the commons, right after, you can go and ask some ministry leaders. Like, just sign up for something. It's not a gang. You can get out of it. Right? So you sign up, explore. If it's not a fit, we don't want you to just put in time and be checked out. We want to find a place where you can use those gifts that God has given you. Talk to some of our ministry leaders. But God has you here for a reason. You have gifts, abilities, and experiences that God anticipates and expects that you will use for his glory. My hope and my prayer is that both here within the church building and in your day-to-day, in our day-to-day, that we will live lives of service, in service of the king. Maybe you're on the fence and you would say, Devin, I'm just... My life is filled with commitments. I like coming to church and just kind of doing one thing just for me. I don't want to serve. I'm too busy. I got too many responsibilities. Listen to me. Sometimes there are seasons in life where you do need healing and you need to pull back. I'm not here to guilt you. That's a terrible motivator. Maybe you're here and you're doing too much because you're driven by some kind of internal insecurity or you're making up for something. So you just say yes to everything, which means you're saying no to some really important stuff. I'm not talking to you. Maybe if that's you, maybe you need to pull back a little bit. But I am talking to those of you who are here who would call Brian home and haven't yet found a place to serve. Let me encourage you to use the gifts that God has given you. If you're here and you're struggling with motivation and you would say, yeah, I know I should be serving. I just don't really care that much. Here's my word for you. Open your Bible, get on your knees, and come face to face again with Jesus. The one who came to serve, the one who serves so perfectly and powerfully. Let your heart be warmed by how he has served you by saving you at great cost to himself. And then as your heart is warmed, allow that to overflow and to motivate you to say yes to serve. In John 12, 26, Jesus says this, whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servants will be also. My father will honor the one who serves me. You leave the fruit, the results, the impact up to God. All we want to hear is well done, good and faithful servant. 
But understand this, that no act of service is ever overlooked by Jesus. He does not miss it or fail to take notice. He sees it all and he's worth it. Serve well, church, because Jesus commands it and Jesus is worth it. Let me pray to that end. Father, we love you and we praise you. I confess that there are times that I don't want to serve because I don't want to be inconvenienced. Warm my heart afresh with the gospel, the good news of Christ, and how you, Jesus, have served us. I thank you, Lord, that you are patient and gentle. I thank you that you have equipped each person here who knows you with specific gifts to be used for your glory. Give them the courage to steward those gifts, to say yes. We ask all of this in the name of the suffering servant who came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And that does it for this episode of the Berean Podcast. All of our ministries at Berean are geared towards the mission of seeing lives transformed by the power of the gospel. If you would like to be connected with our church family or give to the mission of Berean, just jump online to our website at bereanmn.com. Thanks for listening today, and we pray that you are encouraged by today's episode. Be sure to like us on social media, and we'll see you here next time on the Berean Podcast.